Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And on the line today, I have a chef who is now a new friend of mine. Uh, My listeners out there know that I have a problem with my Facebook and I find all my new uh, guests and friends on Facebook. So uh, thank you, Miss Chef Allison Mountford from California or who currently lives in California for joining us on the line today. We're going to talk a little bit about food waste and uh, what to do with our leftovers and all that good stuff. So thanks, Chef Allison, for joining us. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me. But, you know, I, I'm going to say first that I also in this past year have been making so many new friends on Facebook. It's fantastic. It's crazy. I have, um, you know, some, I'm of the Gen X crowd. And so I like to say that I bridge that gap, but my millennial employees tell me that it's my generation that ruined Facebook for them. (laughs) But But we made it great for ourselves. I'm the oldest millennial you can be. I basically am a millennial by a month, depending (laughs) on you know, so I, I go back and forth depending on if it suits me or not. And But I missed online dating, so I feel like Facebook is really working for me for business networking and making new professional friends. It absolutely is, and I find that it is opening me up to um, just seeing what other people are doing outside of my community. You know, I like to think that we're global, but a lot of times we don't have friends who are all over the place. And Definitely. now I can see what's happening in California and in you know, Nebraska and wherever else I have friends. And it's it's really interesting to see what they are doing at the same time of year that I'm doing. Definitely. That's totally different. Well, when I come knocking on your door for my food tour of New Orleans, then, uh, then we'll really be friends. It's an embarrassing gap in my culinary credentials that I've never been there to eat. And it, I mean, it's just embarrassing. I, I shouldn't even be admitting that. Well, we will fix that for you, <laughs> Allison. No problem. <laughs> well, you know, I, one thing that I really fascinated me whenever I got to see some of your information was that, you know, maybe food waste wasn't initially what you were thinking about, but it's something that kind of has become pretty near and dear to your heart. Yeah, you know, I never thought of myself as like an activist or somebody who has a cause or a chip on their shoulder or anything like that. Um, I did have a large catering company that operated out of a cafe, and at our height, we had about 18 employees. So there were a lot of people touching a lot of food. And as the owner-operator, basically the money that was left over at the end of the week was what I got paid. So sometimes that was nothing. Sometimes, you know, that was um, better or worse, depending on how the week went. And it, it was something that I always paid attention to if people were throwing things away or you know, even silly reasons for throwing food away, like somebody dropped something and it has to go in the trash can. So it's something that I've been, you know, has always been part of learning to cook and becoming a better chef and then teaching others as well. But it wasn't, I never pictured myself really, you know, getting on the bandwagon or trying to be a voice for change until, um, until this past year, I'd sold my business. I had been developing it for 10 years. I was kind of a classic entrepreneur where I didn't know where the business ended and I began. (laughs) And I had just a lot of soul searching after I stopped doing that to try to figure out what meant a lot to me, you know, what I was even passionate about, who I was. 
And one of the things that I started just reading a lot about was food waste and how we can change people's attitudes and how we can inspire people. And what I saw was that food waste at home was something that nobody was really talking about. And it's so easy to make a meaningful change um, for both our food systems and for climate justice and even on our wallets. So I thought, well, this is great. This is easy. I'm not asking anybody really to do anything that's going to be challenging or um, painful for them. Like I could definitely get behind this. So slowly over the course of the past year, I've been getting really, really into it. And um, that's what I've decided to pursue. Well, and you know, when you think about it, uh, it is something that's very easy for us to fix as long as we're aware and paying attention. It isn't like we're asking for money or time. We're just asking for being aware of what you're throwing away, what you can use, but also what you're buying in the first place, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, it's actually the opposite of asking people to spend money and time because if you decide to just figure out a way to eat what's already in your house, you save money and time because it's already there. You don't need to go and buy anything else and you don't need to spend time shopping or, you know, running out for takeout. So um, it's actually a win-win. It's, it's really one of the easiest um, and most meaningful things you can do. One of my favorite things that I saw early on was from just after World War II when they were doing victory gardens and all of that, there were actually government PSAs that would be on these huge billboards around cities. And one of them is this old, tiny-looking lady. She's standing in the street, and behind her is a mountain of bread crusts that looks you know, taller than a skyscraper. And the message says, if you throw away your crusts of bread and all your neighbors do, this is what accumulates. So it was encouraging people not to waste food. So it really only goes back to like my grandparents' generation when we really valued everything we bought and found ways to use up all the odds and ends and or ends and stems, as I am calling my blog. So don't have to go that far back to make too much of a change. Um, and most of my career has been private chefing or personal catering in people's homes. So I've had years of experience looking in other people's refrigerators and seeing how they feed their families, um, which is why I'm really excited to talk specifically to people at home and how they're managing the food that they buy. Well, what do you think led us down the path? When I started thinking about it and talking to you, I, I, I started going, hmm, is it the big buying in bulk to save money, but then we're wasting is it because we have more availability and means? Is it because we have good intentions, but then we get too busy and we don't use the stuff we have? What kind of led us on this path? I think it's a combination of all of those things, uh, but certainly it's coupled with grocery stores and the expectation of convenience. We sort of have this false um, sense of abundance where you know, not everybody, um, certainly, but a huge chunk of the population expects that abundance at the grocery store is almost a right. They expect it. Um, you know, if you go in and you see only a few bananas left, you wonder, you know, what's wrong with this store? I, maybe I don't even want to be shopping. Or here. what's Why wrong with those there? bananas? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Why has ones. nobody else bought those bananas? Um, I think it's also, you know, as, as we get more modern and tech enabled and life seems easier in a lot of ways, 
we're really further from our food sources. We're further from what it takes to get an apple on the table. I think in my grandparents' generation, they did have little gardens outside or they knew somebody who was growing food or was just a step closer to it. And it feels like most of us or many of us are are further away from that now. So when you talk to people about this issue and where their food comes from and you know what it actually takes to get a single apple into their house, everybody, I've never met anyone who didn't think it was fascinating and appalling and who really wanted to make a change. Um, it's just, it's so easy to ignore now because there's so many stages in between food being produced and then it actually coming into our homes. There's also with the government, we have subsidies, food is cheaper, um, low quality, low calorie food is cheaper. So it feels like we can buy more and then combine that with this expectation of abundance, that abundance is our right. You know, we're Americans, we can have whatever we want. We can have mountains of food and rainbows of colors. Yes. Um, <laughs> we're just not ever asked to pay attention to it. Um and everyone I know is tired all the time and busy, and they're not really going around paying attention to things that they don't have to pay attention to. So sort of all of those factors swirling around together. So what's our first step? So if we say, okay, for the start of the new year, I'm going to pay attention to this in my home, and I'm going to see what I'm wasting, and then I'm going to try to change. How, how do we go about approaching that, and how do we know what we're wasting? I think two of the easiest things to do to start, um, the first one is just live a normal week, but do what they call a food audit. So you can actually write down everything that's going into your trash can or compost bin or however you get rid of scraps. If you have little kids, it's actually super fun for them to participate. You can tack up a big you know, piece of paper on your fridge and, or near your trash can and just write it down as everything goes out. Sort of the equivalent of people who um, are, are on a diet or tracking what they eat all day because we throw things away without paying attention to it because it is really low priority at home. And I think once you see what you're getting rid of, you'll be more motivated to not throw so much away or you'll have a better idea of where to start and notice the types of things that your family tends to throw away. Um, you know, is it consistently dairy products? Are you throwing away meat? Are you throwing away fruit because you thought everybody was going to eat healthier? Another really big one are like ends of bread and rolls and then um, snack foods, ends of, you know, chip bags and things like that. So if you pay attention for a week, really write it down because then you can pay, you know, you, you have it there in black and white right in front of you. Um, and then the first thing to do the week after when you go to the grocery store is just make an intentional grocery list so that you're buying things that you know your family will eat and do it from your kitchen so that you can check your pantry, you can check your refrigerator, just do a quick scan. Don't put yourself in the position where you're in the grocery store saying, wait a minute, did we have three bananas left over or were there no bananas exactly. left over? Um, and then that way you're, you're buying with intention and you're only buying things that you know your family can consume within that week. The other benefit of that is that your grocery trip will be faster and easier you don't have to meander through all the aisles and you'll save money because you won't be purchasing as much. And I like that. And, you know, when I, I probably this time of year, I'll go through my pantry and I'll look and see what I have and how long it's been on the shelf. And so many times, like I'll see people that have stuff in their pantry 
that is way long expired because yeah. they bought it thinking they were going to eat it. It got pushed to the back of the pantry. Then they never saw it again until this time of year when they're going to clean out their pantry and get ready to eat healthy. And then you realize there is stuff that that you've had forever. And if you had just stopped and said, okay, let's play a game and call it, you know, I like to call it pantry and freezer blowout. And let's see what we have and what we can make with it. And I, I mean, I kind of feel like we should be doing that at least every quarter instead of just waiting till once a year to see what's stuck in the back of the freezer in the pantry. Absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of pantry dinners, you know, that night when you just need something fast and easy and you can't make it to the store and you just look in your fridge and you feel like you have nothing. Um, I actually have a list uh, if people visit my website when they sign up. I email them a list of how to stock a pantry with intention so that you have not only a full pantry so that you can cook anything you know you need to if you're making dinner or lunch that day, but also so that you're not buying too much and you can kind of rotate through it. Um, lots of other people have lists and things like that too. But I always like to have you know, pastas and beans and, you know, easy cooking grains and things that can come together in a meal pretty quickly. Um, frozen vegetables is another good one. Just you need something, you know, green and healthy on your plate, but your your produce drawers are empty. You can always grab the frozen veggies and add them to a pasta or a great bean dish or something like that. Um, but I do think a good way to start is quarterly. Um, if you've never done it before, maybe half a, every, you know, twice a year, you can go through it. <laughs> But it's it's a great thing to do. Definitely can clean it out. Um, the other thing about food waste is that in America alone, there are 43 million people who are food insecure. Food insecure basically means they have no idea where their next meal will come from. So the fact that some of us are living with such abundance that we throw food and money away and don't even pay attention to it, and some people don't know that they're going to be able to eat dinner tonight is it's just kind of hard to live with. Um, so if you are going through your pantry, maybe for the first time you're going to do it in the beginning of the year, I'm sure that there's a food bank or a donation center. Um, there's something in San Francisco uh, where they collect all types of food and it, the expired stuff, probably not. But if you have stuff you bought that you're not going to eat that isn't expired, you can just, you know, round it all up and take it down there and then it'll at least get to somebody who is going to eat it, which is a little bit better than, you know, throwing it away. Absolutely. And, you know, when when I saw your website and I started thinking ends and stems, first of all, I love the name. Um, Thank you. And for y'all, uh, Allison's website is endsandstems.com. But, you know, yesterday I cooked some broccoli and my husband bought this beautiful broccoli at the grocery that had the stems and the greens on it. And I thought, gosh, I'm really, really busy. I don't have time to do anything but just steam the broccoli. But what can people do with all that other stuff that's all those ends and stems that are attached? If you have that big hunk of broccoli or the ends of your asparagus or things like that. Well, that's definitely what it's all about. And actually, I was so excited that uh, one of the top food trends predicted for 2018 is root to stop cooking, yes. which is obviously <laughs> just a synonym for ends and stems. They hadn't gotten the memo yet. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of attention coming to this issue. And I'm, I'm really excited to be 
you know, out there talking about it. Um, but there's sort of two ways your wheat can go. So you take home this beautiful bunch of broccoli, you have these stalks, you know you can use them, you have the leaves, but your week is packed and you're not going to be able to have an extra 30 minutes for some creative cooking in the kitchen. So the first thing that you can do is just chop them up, put them in a Ziploc bag or in a Tupperware and just pop them in your freezer. So you'll be able to use them later. It might not be the best use for beautiful broccoli leaves because they won't be the same coming out of the freezer, but you'll still be able to preserve them so that you can use them later, which is the most important point. Um, if you have time, certainly you can whip those up into a dish. There's actually a cookbook called Root to Stock Cooking. Um, nowadays, you Google anything and you can find recipes for all the little bits. Um, so, you know, the leaves with broccoli, you could actually just steam those or even saute them with the florets right there. One of my favorite recipes, we love broccoli at my house, so I, I, we eat it every week. It's one of my daughter's favorites. One of my favorite recipes for the broccoli stock is to slice it on a mandolin like you would a potato and make a gratin out of it. Ooh. It's so good. It's a little bit of cream and cheese and some garlicky breadcrumbs on top. It's like mac and cheese, except even a little bit healthier for you because it's got some broccoli in it. And, um, and so even kids like that, will eat it with all that uh cheese on it so you exactly. can hide it <laughs> you could even put some potatoes in there as well and kind of alternate the layers so you know it'd be like a classic gratin and and the stalks are usually fairly pale so you know i think i could even sneak that one by my dad who's not a big vegetable fan he might not even know it isn't potatoes if you didn't tell him uh, but if you had a recipe like that in your arsenal or you you know take 30 seconds to go online and look for something like that you could freeze that stock you could even slice it in advance and freeze it and then know that you have that in your freezer to use later, maybe on the weekend when you do have 15, 20 extra minutes to put the casserole together. Uh, but the big thing is if you know it's edible and you don't have time to do it right now, is process it to a point where you can get it into a Tupperware and freeze it and then just keep yourself a list or you know, be good about going through your freezer, just like with your pantry, to make sure that you're actually using those things up. Um, one of the other ways or the, like the easiest ways to put vegetables aside for later is to actually blanch them in advance. Um, as I'm sure, you know, when, you know, a vegetable is all like cell walls. So it's a very specific structure and that's what hold all, holds all the water and keeps everything really, really crunchy. So when you put everything in the freezer, those walls all get pierced. And then when you defrost them, they tend to be a little bit different. They're a little bit soggier. But if you blanch them in advance, like as you were blanching spinach or something like that, and actually take a lot of that water out to begin with, you can squeeze it. They'll be a little bit smaller because you've actually already cooked them. They're easier to cook with later because you don't need to start from scratch. And they actually hold up a little better in the freezer. So you can then, you know, you could throw your stalks into soup later. You could add the leaves to um, a quiche or, you know, anywhere you'd use like a frozen bag of spinach or something like that. So if you do have five minutes, just get a pot of water boiling, blanch them, put them in ice water, and then pack them up. Um, best freezer tip that even I don't do, I'm a hypocrite, I admit it, <laughs> flat out as I say this, is write with a label. I was about to say, label and date. <laughs> label. Please do it. Um, I always think I'm a professional. I'll know what this is later. And then inevitably, you're pulling things out of your freezer um, going, wait a minute what the heck is this? Who put this in my freezer? So it's definitely worth getting yourself a Sharpie and some masking tape and making sure you label it before it goes in. 
My my husband picks on me and says that we should probably buy stock in Sharpie and blue tape because everything in my fridge, freezer, and even stuff in my house when he gets home from work, like, hey, baby, do this, has a piece of blue tape on it. And so you, once you start to get in that habit, it will change your life because we've had many a meal where we've just pulled random Ziplocs and containers and you end up with some really weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. My husband, when he uses the blue tape, I'm always like, what are you using the blue tape for? That's that's not its purpose. This is my kitchen We're not tape. painting. <laughs> I actually can't believe nobody, we used to talk about this at my uh, restaurant all the time. I can't believe that nobody has marketed the blue tape specifically for chefs. Like there's no role of chef tape. It's just the same old blue painter's tape. They should be putting it out there. Maybe I'll do that someday. Yeah, too. I think you should. I saw uh, a chef put something on their Facebook page one day and they had yellow tape and I was like, oh my God, where did you find the yellow? That's so <laughs> exciting. But, you know, getting in that habit of labeling, you're less likely to have weird stuff or stuff that you end yes. up throwing out because you defrosted it and it's not what you wanted to eat. Exactly. Yeah. So at least in my house, I cook almost every day. So if I pull something random out, I just deal with it and I figure out how to use it. But most people coming home from work, you know, their job isn't to cook. So you really want to know what you're pulling out and what's making sense or, you know, what will make sense for a meal in there. So um, the other thing to do is if you're if you're getting stems and ends of vegetables that you don't want to eat or maybe like you mentioned, the ends of asparagus, which don't always taste great depending on how, you know, dried out and how woody yes. they are. It's just always have a bag going for stock. So this is a classic tip. You know, you're chopping off the very tops of the carrots or the ends of the onions. I always have one big bag just to stock on the top, and I just keep filling it up with all those things. And then the next time we have chicken thighs or a rotisserie-style chicken, you get the bones. You can even put those in the freezer. And then when you're ready to go, you just dump everything into a pot and make a big pot of stock. Um, you could also just do veggie stock if you don't ever get chicken bones or if you don't, uh, or if you're a vegetarian, a couple, when I was starting my, um, meal planning blog a couple months ago, I was training my brother and he's one of my, my best recipe testers and my biggest supporters thus far. And he's a good cook, but he was saying, well, what do you even do with stock? He was like, why would I make it? I don't even understand how to use it. <laughs> I realize it's also a very chefy thing to put that out there because, you know, it's one of the most important items in my kitchen and a homemade stock means dinner. I mean, you could make a million things out of it. But as he's been following along with my meal plans, you know, I think I have something with stock in there at least every week, if not a couple times a week. So he's finally been convinced to start to make it. But basically, you can add it to pasta and, you know, make a nice sauce. You can make just a soup out of it. Any type of pan sauce, um, it's it's sort of the better than water, basically. Yes, yes. So we it's call... definitely something to get in the habit of. It's not as intimidating as it sounds. So um, I encourage people to give it a shot. I do have a recipe and a little video on my website, too, that people can watch for ends and stems stock. Well, and, you know, water is just clear stock. So we, we want to have... Uh, we want some add some flavor, and so by making your own stock, it starts with clear stock water, and then we kind of build on that flavor from there. And uh, I am guilty of having a stock freezer. I have a, a two shelves in my freezer of nothing but stock, 
And then two shelves in my refrigerator of nothing but pickles. So I love the idea that your website is going to give people at home some other ideas besides just pickling things or using what they have to actually make a full dish rather than my husband saying everything is like an appetizer platter in our house because it's not a fully composed meal where, you know, we're eating those things. So can you tell our listeners how they can get these meal plans, get recipes and um, find out more about what they can do in their own homes? Absolutely. Um, So what the plan is, is I call it meal plans to reduce household food waste. That some of these meal planning sites and services have been popping up recently. Uh, mine is totally, completely free. So you do not need to subscribe, pay me anything. All you need is an internet connection. So each week, um, I put together three complete dinners and then a fourth night of dinner that's made up from the leftover bits that you wouldn't use in the first three dishes. So recipes are kind of coupled together knowing that you know, if you have a whole chicken one night, here's what you're going to have left over and here's how you can shred it and use it on the fourth night. Um, so everything kind of rolls through. And then it comes with a concise, organized, uh, chef-y looking grocery list so that you can power through the grocery store. And typically to make all four dishes, it's somewhere between maybe 25 and 35 grocery items. But a lot of them might be pantry items. So if they're spices or butter or olive oil. So people are usually only having to buy about 20 to 25 things at the grocery store and you can make the whole week's worth of dinners. They're made to be stretched out throughout the week. Um, And then I have photos and clear recipes. One of the things that I was really adamant about doing that makes my recipes a little bit different is it's not, you know, if you're cooking a, a dinner that has chicken, broccoli, and potatoes, that's actually three recipes. So you need to think of all of those, find all three recipes, and then purchase them separately. So I've actually made one recipe that's a whole plate of food. So if we're having a curry, the rice recipe is included in the curry recipes so that you get an actual, you know, what I would call a meal on a plate that's usually a couple recipes combined together. Um, And all you have to do is sign up. So I keep joking with people that at this point, email is my currency. The more emails I get, the more, you know, I can win grants and interest people in some funding to help keep this going and make the program more robust. So right now, totally free. Just put in your email address. And each week, you get a whole new set of menus. Um, The one downside that I have right now that I'm really working on changing in 2018 is that I only put out one meal plan a week. So if I put up a chicken dish and you don't eat chicken, you have to look at one of the older weeks to get something that doesn't have chicken in it. But again, as I gain more followers and traction, um, I can actually get some help. And, and what I would like to do is a really uh, robust meal planning platform so that you can choose meals based on your family's dietary preferences. So that's what's coming up for 2018. I'm super excited. Awesome. Well, Chef Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. For those of y'all who enjoyed what uh, Chef Allison has, go see her website. It's endsandstems.com. And we are all out of time for today, but let's look into the new year to do better about not wasting food, eating better, and uh, being a part of 
our meals and really understanding what is on our table and the process. So thank you, Chef Allison. And for all thank of y'all, so for all of y'all out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.